Welcome back to another episode of Jake's Takes. My name is Jake. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the podcast. On this week's episode, we are going to be looking at some NBA news, NBA topics, looking at uh, a trade that happened last week, which was the first trade in the whole NBA season. Um, and we'll talk about that. We'll also talk about some rumors involving um, Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, but first, I want to talk about something that is uh on the sadder side of things and so we uh as nba fans and as the league itself uh we lost david stern who was 77 years old um to a brain hemorrhage and he was um in the nba as the commissioner from 1984 to i the 2010s he was uh over uh 30 years as commissioner in the league and was um there through um the expansions in the nba through the lockouts through the rise and um retirement of uh michael jordan he was there when the 92 dream team had their very successful year and also when i think it was 2012 when lebron kobe and the sort of second coming of the Dream Team kind of kicked off. Um, he was there for the controversial, or maybe it's not controversial, Patrick Ewing 1980s uh, draft, which is uh, one of the biggest conspiracy theories in all of basketball. Um, he was there through pretty much all of it. And um, 2014 was when he left, and... You know, 30 years in this league is a long time. Uh, he was an activist for expanding basketball, not just in America, but in the world. Um, the NBA saw its highest numbers of international players entering the draft with David Stern as commissioner. And I think for most people, they remember him as the, you know, forefather of what NBA commissioners are. And I think you know, a lot of what Adam Silva does and what Adam Silva tries to be was modeled after David Stern. And so, um, you know, he had to deal with a lot. Um, and there was a lot of things that um, kind of came to the forefront during his tenure. But, um, you know, he was a big influence on the NBA and expanding the NBA outside of this country. And, you know, he was such a big influence on so many people. And there are so many, you know, former and current basketball players who got to shake his hand and were so happy that they got drafted. And so he had such a impact on their lives and the lives of just everyone. And so, um, you know, this is, um, yeah, that is uh, sad to note, but um, he was a big giant when it comes to uh, the NBA, and he will definitely be missed um, as someone who was just an impactful person in this league, for sure. So, um, yeah, let's uh, move on to some, I guess, brighter news. We have our first trade. Well, this actually happened last week, but um, it was involving the Utah Jazz and the Cleveland Cavaliers, and so... Basically, the details are as follows. The Utah Jazz traded um, away uh, two draft picks, and they traded away Dante Exum, 
uh, and they got Jordan Clarkson. So two second-round draft picks, Dante Exum. They are future second-round draft picks, um, one from uh, Dallas uh, and one from Golden State, their second-round draft picks, and then uh, Dante Exum for Jordan Clarkson. So let's start by constructing or deconstructing this from the short-term and long-term for both sides. So Utah Jazz got the best player. We'll start with them. Short-term, it helps if they're going for the playoff race, which right now they are in sixth place. And so getting a guy who can help you on both ends of the court, he's a good backup point guard, shooting guard. He could play alongside Mike Conley, alongside Donovan Mitchell, alongside Joe Ingles. And, you know, I think Utah needed someone like that who was a very, you know, affordable player to get. And so getting rid of Exum, who doesn't really fit, and getting in a guy like Clarkson, who in a short-term period is better fitting, it makes a lot of sense. And so Utah got the best player in this deal, and they got a guy that's going to help them for the rest of this season and into the playoffs. Now, looking at this from a long-term standpoint, if Clarkson turns out to be very good, you could re-sign him to a cost-friendly team-friendly deal you could sign him to you know a bigger deal if he turns out to be better than even expected and you know could potentially be the point guard that replaces uh, Mike Conley in the future Um, but if you choose to let him go he's a one-year contract he's up for free agency and so there's no harm and no foul there and you have 10 million dollars in Jordan Clarkson money that can go towards another player if that's what you want to do but in the long term, if you like him, if he works out, he's a good fit. Keep him because you got bird rights. If he decides or if you decide he's not what you thought and his rest of this season turns out to be less than stellar, I mean, who knows? But they can always just let him walk. I mean, he's averaging 14 points, so he's a good role player, a good scorer off the bench, can shoot the three. And so um, long-term, short-term, I think this works for Utah. I mean, Dante Exum is young, but he doesn't fit, and he's three years on his contract, $9 million. So um, I think you're setting, yourselves up, setting yourself up to be a good team this year with that extra piece and, you know, potentially, you know, a long-term addition as well. And so... I think what this trade shows us and what we're going to see this season is no real big fish are going to get traded at the deadline or during the season. I think it's going to be more role players for those top teams, top five, six teams that are going to try and separate themselves from everyone else. The Denvers, the Clippers, you know, maybe Dallas, Milwaukee, Boston, Miami, Toronto. These are teams that are near the top of the Eastern Conference and they're going to want to make a move up and they're not going to go out and get a big you know player they want to get some smaller rotation pieces maybe they need a defensive wing maybe they need a shooter maybe they need a center that's what they'll probably do now looking at this from Cleveland's side um, Cleveland's going nowhere Uh, right now they are near the bottom of the Eastern Conference and so it's not like they're competing or contending where they would have needed Clarkson uh, it's not like they need the cap space because they're not going after a big-name free agent. So getting a guy in Dante Exum who is 23 years old, 24 years old, who is young, who is talented, um, 
still has high upside whether uh, he ends up you know performing at a high level or kind of stays where he's at you know it's a project um, the only negative in this situation is the fact that they already have Colin Sexton and they already have Darius Garland and I don't see how uh, he fits at least with Clarkson he was a shooting guard slash point guard where you could play him on the two and he was a good fit you don't really have to worry about him messing with Darius Garland, Colin Sexton. Um, but now you have a guy who is a true point guard. And so you have three true point guards who are vying for two spots. And so unless you plan on moving Darius Garland or Colin Sexton, um, I don't see how it really fits. Now, long term, I mean, same thing. You know, if those two guys are supposed to be your future, if one of those guys is planning on playing shooting guard, then okay, you can have... Um, Dante Exum at the backup point guard, but it doesn't seem like those guys are actually twos. I think they're all three of those guys are traditional point guards. And so you have sort of this log jam at the point guard, and you need more help down low. You need more wing help. You know, Tristan Thompson's going to be a free agent. You know, you're going to have Kevin Love who might get traded at some point. So you're going to need, you know, forwards. You're going to need guys who can play the four or the five combo. Um, and so I don't see how Exum really fits in to kind of what Cleveland is trying to do long-term or short-term. I mean, they're getting two second-round draft picks, and so trading away a one-year contract in Clarkson for two second-round draft picks, really, I see where they're coming from, and I like it, and it's a good trade. But the Exum part of it, I think I know he's probably just a throw-in for the salary, but he doesn't really fit. I mean, he didn't really fit a ton in Utah, but at least for, you know, Utah, they only had Conley and Emmanuel Moutier, who plays point guard and shooting guard. So, you know, you could give X some, you know, backup point guard minutes, but I don't know. It doesn't really fit in Cleveland, short term, long term, but I think they care more about the draft picks, which, you know, if you're a team that's not really competing, getting draft picks is... You know, it's good. It's something that you'd really want and something that you'd uh, want to hold on to. So, um, yeah, let's uh, let's move on from that one. So moving on to some other uh, rumors involving Carl Anthony Towns. So Carl Anthony Towns um, basically is a very, very good, you know, power forward slash center who apparently is now in trade talks or at least rumored trade talks. Um, it started uh, last week with the New York Knicks. Apparently there was an article out saying that the Knicks are monitoring the situation in Minnesota with Carl Anthony Towns and the Timberwolves. Apparently um, the relationship between uh, the Timberwolves and um, Carl Anthony Towns is uh, fractured. And so um, now they are saying that um, apparently the Knicks are monitoring the situation. This week they came out and said that the Golden State Warriors are monitoring this situation. And so um, basically you have two teams who are looking at this situation, seeing what would happen with Carl Anthony Towns. Um, and I mean, we're also seeing that with other teams, it's just nothing's come out yet. Carl Anthony Towns has been rumored to be traded multiple times. I know the Celtics have had interest, and the Timberwolves haven't really done anything with him. 
but um, whether or not the rumors that he is unhappy with the Timberwolves are true or not, uh, nothing has specifically came out. Um, but this is just, I believe, people trying to make a story out of something that isn't a story, or making a story out of something that we just all knew. You know, if Carl Anthony Towns was available, there would be a lot of teams out there that would be interested. And to look at these two teams, the Knicks, who have really no assets worth Minnesota's time to deal with. You know, they have a lot of guys who don't fit where they're going, Minnesota. If they were to get rid of Towns, it would most likely be because they're rebuilding. And so getting guys like Marcus Morris and Julius Randle and Ephraim Payton don't really seem like they're meant for rebuild. I mean, you'd have to probably probably throw in Mitchell Robinson or Kevin Knox and then probably R.J. Barrett plus draft picks. Um, I don't see the Knicks being a viable spot. And then if you look at Golden State, I mean, if Steph and Clay are off the table, and to be honest with you, D'Angelo Russell's probably off the table because why would you trade away a guy who would want to play with Carl Anthony Towns? It leaves Draymond Green and a bunch of, you know, other assets. But Draymond Green's on a one-year contract. And if Minnesota is planning to get rid of Carl Anthony Towns so they can rebuild, why would Draymond Green want to stay there? So you'd be getting an asset that would leave in a year. Draymond Green wouldn't stay in Minnesota. So I don't think Golden State really makes that much sense anyways because they don't have cap space they don't have the players besides D'Angelo Russell and Draymond Green to trade but those guys aren't going to get traded so this is another situation like New York that's not going to happen you know it's not really a good story until it's something that seems logical you know saying the Los Angeles Lakers are going to go out and go after Carl Anthony Towns doesn't make any sense because they don't have those assets. So I think these are all just rumors, the Knicks and Golden State. It's, you know, something that, you know, maybe Carl Anthony Towns would like to play in New York because that's the area he's from, the New Jersey, New York area. Maybe he'd want to play in Golden State with Steph and Clay, but I don't think that's feasible. So um, I don't think Carl Anthony Towns will get moved at any point in time, but if he were to get moved these are the teams that I think make the most sense so I think Boston obviously makes the most sense because they have the most assets they have draft picks they have young players I think the Celtics would have to get rid of one of Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown they would have to get rid of probably Gordon Hayward because um, just the salary and then some draft picks as uh, mentioned you know I think Indiana has assets they have young players and talent that, you know, would entice a team like um, the Timberwolves. I think Chicago has pieces uh, that could easily entice um, the uh, Timberwolves. I think if Aaron Gordon is included in an Orlando Magic deal, it could make sense. Um, you know, they could throw in Mo Bamba, Jonathan Isaac, some of these younger players, and so... Um, you could make something happen with Orlando. Um, going to the Western Conference, um, I mean, uh, Portland has assets. They have a draft picks, young players, uh, expiring deals. Phoenix, obviously, Carl Anthony Towns has said he wants to play with Devin Booker. Um, Phoenix has those assets. 
Um, Oklahoma City definitely has draft pick assets. I don't know if they'd actually um, want to get involved or if the players that they have are what Minnesota would be looking for. But in terms of at least draft picks, they got plenty. Um, so I don't think uh, Golden State or the Knicks are really in the right position to um, go out and get a guy like Carl Anthony Towns. I think those are just articles that are being posted. Um, and, um, yeah, that is um, the Carl Anthony Towns situation. So um, moving on to um, another article uh, that I was reading, um, and this involves um, Toronto Raptors, and it's from Sports Illustrated. It's about um, the Raptors and are they the biggest wild card during the NBA trade season. So obviously, you know, Kawhi Leonard left. Toronto is in fourth place. They're doing well. Pascal Siakam is obviously their best player right now, um, but they have some you know, expiring contracts in Sergi Baca and Fred Van Vliet and um, Marcus Sol. And so um, I guess they are the biggest um, question mark um, because we don't really know um, what they're going to do um, and whether or not they're going to make any moves or they're going to stay where they are, you know. They might be interested in a guy like Tristan Thompson, who's having a pretty good season. He's from Toronto. Maybe Kevin Love or Drew Holiday. So I think, um, you know, Toronto has a lot of cap space next year. So Kyle Lowry and Siakam are going to have the possibility of playing with a very good player in free agency. Um, I know the free agency market doesn't look as good, but... um, you know, I think, you know, there's a good chance that um, Toronto could cash in their chips now and get, you know, one more piece where they could wait um, and, you know, kind of go forward with this lineup and then kind of maybe sign someone in the offseason, which is a possibility. So um, I think Toronto is the biggest wild card because we don't know what they're going to do because um, they have so much cap space and they have a pretty good you know team surrounding them and so they could realistically go out and potentially get a guy like Draymond Green in free agency and so having Draymond with Siakam and with Kyle Lowry is pretty good you know they could you know go out and get someone else too because you know they only have um, one guy on their roster who is making significant money after this season and that's Kyle Lowry you know Kyle Lowry is making over 30 million 34 million but this season they have Serge Ibaka 23 million off the books Marcus Sol 25 million off the books uh Fred Van Vliet 9 million off the books so theoretically you trade away Norman Powell who makes 10 million dollars you get rid of Fred Van Vliet you get rid of Sergi Baca and you get rid of Marcus Sol. You could potentially get a player in DeMar DeRozan who could be a free agent. You could get a player in Draymond Green. And you could have Draymond, Pascal, DeMar DeRozan, and Kyle Lowry. And that's a pretty good starting lineup, you know. And I think if you're Toronto, you can kind of look at your situation and figure it out and see what's the best thing for you. Because um, 
Masai Ujiri is as good of a general manager as you see in the NBA, president of basketball operations guy, you know, who knows what he's doing um, and basically can get it done on a daily basis. He made a insanely controversial move going out and getting a one-year deal, Kawhi Leonard, which helped they won a championship. You know, getting rid of a guy like DeMar DeRozan, who was a mainstay. And so I have uh, all faith that he can get it done and make the right decisions because he is someone who knows what he's doing and I think is, you know, good enough at his job where he can, you know, get it done um, and, you know, help Toronto really compete because last year they won the championship and basically now they are seen as one of the best teams and one of the best franchises in the NBA. And so, um, yeah, that's basically, you know, where I'm at right there. So uh, that's Toronto. Now, I want to move on to my final topic here. And this is a early uh, sort of, you know, guess as to how uh, sort of the NBA trade deadline is going to go. It is, you know, a new year, and it is almost time for, you know, the trade deadline. And so some years you have, you know, big players getting moved. Some years you have a lot of small players getting moved. Some years you have, you know, a few moves. Uh, Some years you have, you know, a lot of moves taking place. So what I want to do is basically look at the NBA trade deadlines of the last five years and kind of see what happened on those deadlines, how many players got moved, and were there any big names that got moved, or were there smaller names, or basically just trying to predict how this trade deadline is going to go. So, um, yeah, let's get right into it. So, last year's trade deadline, 2019, there were 11 moves, and um, Otto Porter Jr. going to Chicago, Harrison Barnes, going to Sacramento, Tobias Harris going to Philly. Those were the big ones. Um, Tobias Harris is obviously a very good small forward. So is uh, Harrison Barnes and Otto Porter. Um, And you saw majority of the other moves were just smaller pieces getting moved. You know, back end of your lineup type guys, role players for role players, draft picks here and there. Um, And so uh, that was pretty much 2019. 2018, there were also 11 moves made, and Isaiah Thomas in a draft pick for, um, you know, Larry Nance Jr. and um, Jordan Clarkson. That was the big uh, trade, because it was um, Cleveland gearing up to go out and go and, you know, make a push for the playoffs with LeBron in what would be his last season. So that was, um, you know, that was, you know, a good move. Most of the other moves were just kind of, you know, uh, like the year before, uh, pre, uh, afterwards, just like, uh, you know, back end of your lineup, you know, kind of smaller moves, nothing really super crazy um, right there. Uh, going to 2017, we have P.J. Tucker getting traded to Toronto, Lou Williams going from the Lakers to the Houston Rockets for a uh, first-round draft pick in Corey uh, Brewer, um, then you had um, 
DeMarcus Cousins, which was the big trade to New Orleans, um, which involved Buddy Heald and um, several other uh, guys. And so um, 15 moves total on uh, the trade deadline day. And um, besides the Cousins move, uh, some nice role players getting uh, traded. Um, so that was um, good right there. Then we have 2016 where there were a bunch of role players getting moved. 11 deals overall with Tobias Harris going from Detroit or going to Detroit. Um, and Orlando to Detroit, biggest move, um, right there, um, you know, uh, again, a lot of, you know, role players, um, getting traded. Then we go to 2015, which was, um, a couple of trades here, Kevin Garnett for Thaddeus Young, Brooklyn trading Garnett to the Timberwolves, um, basically ended his career there, um, and he wasn't you know, as good as he was in Boston or his first stint in Minnesota. Uh, but he was a big name. Uh, Miami got Gordon Drogic, um, and then Isaiah Thomas went to the Boston Celtics in what was one of the biggest, you know, highway robbery trades in Celtics history, um, where they got Isaiah Thomas for Marcus Thornton in a first-round draft pick, which they got from Cleveland, so it wasn't even their own pick, it was a pick they acquired from Cleveland in a Tyler Zeller deal, um, so, uh, yeah, um, IT to Boston really helped, uh, he had an almost MVP season, and so, um, yeah, that was, um, 2015, 11 trades, so, uh, from 2019 to 2015, there were actually, um, you know, four of those seasons, 2019, 2018, 2016, 2015, there were 11 trades, which is uh, surprising, on um, actual trade deadline day. And then in 2017, there was 15 trades. And so what I gathered was you're not going to see a lot of big names getting moved. Um, every you know couple of years, there might be a very good player like DeMarcus Cousins who is not happy where he's playing and would more than likely want to go somewhere else and explore um, a different city and maybe, you know, get a change in scenery. Uh, but that's very rare. What you see on the deadline are, you know, very high-end role players, you know, fifth or fourth guys in the starting lineup getting traded um, to, you know, a contender, uh, a Tobias Harris to Philadelphia move, something you know, Harrison Barnes to Sacramento, not a big move. Like, I don't think DeMar DeRozan is going to get traded this uh, trade deadline. I don't think LaMarc Soldier is going to get traded or Kevin Love or Carl Anthony Towns or any of these big names that are being thrown around in trade rooms, D'Angelo Russell. These guys aren't getting traded. You're going to see, you know, maybe a Marcus Morris or Julius Randle or... A Chris Dunn, or, I don't know, someone on um, uh, New Orleans like J.J. Redick. Uh, so those are guys that I could see getting traded, kind of guys who are going to help your lineups, but they're not the best players. And so I think if the previous trade deadlines are any indication of what happens during a deadline in the NBA, we can use that 
to basically predict that this upcoming trade deadline will not be as good as, um, you know, just previous years. You know, the offseason is where you see the big moves happening. Because during a trade deadline, teams are not looking to blow it up, you know. They're not looking to start from scratch. They're just looking to keep what they have in hopes that they make the playoffs. And if you're a contender, you're just looking for that small piece that pushes you over the edge above your competition. When you get to the offseason, that is when the big-name players get traded because the season's over, they're you know figuring out what they want to do, and someone might not fit their plans, and you know this all-star is going somewhere else. And so I predict this trade deadline, there might be a lot of trades that take place, but they're not going to be big ones, especially seeing as this season we've only had one NBA trade, Jordan Clarkson for Dante Exum. We haven't seen any other trades since the start of opening night. So that tells you something. Um, you know, there's not a lot of teams out there that are really interested in making moves, and there aren't a lot of teams out there that are really going to go out and give you that extra piece. And so, um, yeah, that's um, that's going to be um, my trade deadline predictions. Uh, that's going to be this week's episode of the podcast. So tune in to the next one where we talk about more NBA news topics and discuss.